Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode number 178. With Dr. Brian Stenzler, the CEO of Dream Wellness on his new book, Dream Wellness, Five Keys to Raising Kids for a Lifetime of Physical and Mental Health, where the dream in the title of this book stands for diet, relaxation, exercise, adjustment, and mental wellness. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, and like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high performance strategies that we can all use to improve our own productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. My vision is to bring the experts to you, to share their books, resources, and ideas, to help you to implement their proven strategies, whether you're a teacher working in the classroom, a parent, or in the corporate environment. The purpose of this podcast is to take the fear out of this new discipline that backs our learning with simple neuroscience to make it applicable for us to all use right away for immediate results. I first met Dr. Stenzler in 2014 when I was at a conference in San Diego with brain training and business expert John Asraf, and I was cutting it close to making it to the airport on time on the last day of the event. And Dr. Stenzler was standing next to me and he offered to give me a lift so I could stay a bit longer and not have to stress about not making my flight. When you meet him, you'll see this is just who he is. Offering to take me to the airport when we'd only just met that minute is just a small testament to who he is. Although he's been helping thousands of people with his chiropractic work, and at the time he was president of the California Chiropractic Association, when the coronavirus global pandemic hit our world in March of 2020 and turned everything upside down, he knew that his book was urgent and important and he made it a priority. In 1996, Dr. Stenzler and his business partner, Dr. Greg Barron, first trademarked the term dream to make it easy for people to remember what a wellness lifestyle entailed. And in 2021, he published his book, Dream Wellness, to bridge the gap from the current reactive system of healthcare towards a proactive model of wellness by providing the tools and venue for one's journey. To give you some history on Dr. Stenzler, by the year 2003, he'd already created two successful dream wellness locations on Long Island, New York. His unique holistic approach towards helping people express their true perfection has enabled dream wellness to expand to the West Coast, where there are currently three thriving locations in San Diego, Del Mar, Pacific Beach, and Santee. By offering a wide range of holistic and wellness services under one roof and traveling around the globe to consult with businesses and organizations, Dr. Stenzler is truly living his dream. He's the picture of health that you can see for yourself in the picture of him in the show notes that was taken just last Wednesday when he was attending a conference at a hotel not far from my house. I ran out to say hello, we exchanged books, and in our short conversation, Dr. Stenzler was there to offer ideas and suggestions saying, how can I help you with what you're working on? 
I'm honored to call him one of my friends and love the work that he's doing to inspire physical and mental health in our next generation. Without further ado, let's meet Dr. Brian Stenzler. Welcome, Dr. Stenzler. It's so good to see you again. And look right behind you, you've put my book. Thank you so much. I've got yours right here. Leveling up every day, right? Absolutely. And staying well with your dream. Amen. I want to open up with a question that gets to know you better that's outside of your book, Dr. Stenzler. And uh, so when I was reading your book, I haven't finished it yet, but when I got to the author's journey section of your book, where you mentioned that your vision for your career changed 180 degrees from wanting to be a movie producer to finding your career in chiropractics. Can you explain what made you make this shift that brought you to where you are today? Because making movies sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, ever since I was a kid, my dad, he used to take me to Universal Studios and all those great places in, in Los Angeles at the time. They didn't even have it in Florida, I don't think, at that point. Um, and I just love the magic of making movies behind the scenes and everything. It was just a passion of mine growing up. And so that's what I always imagined I would do. It'd be a movie producer. I grew up in Long Island in New York and thought I would go leave the family and go to UCL, UCLA or USC film school. And wow. one thing led to another. Things didn't work out that way because of financial reasons. I won't get into the details of that and realized that I was not going to be going to a film school. Uh, and in fact, if I was going to go to college, I was going to have to go to a state school in New York. And none of the state schools, none of the SUNYs, the State University of New York's offered a film program. Uh, one, however, offered a theater program, or two of them did. That One of them was Oneonta, and I don't remember what the other was. Uh, so I chose to go to Oneonta. And within a very short period of time, I saw that theater, at the very least, was not my uh, trajectory. And uh, I was not going to be in a place where uh, I was going to be transferring to UCLA or USC anytime soon. Uh, so I really had to think about what I was going to do with my life. And uh, my grades weren't great, but I knew what I was passionate about was the body and about health. And somebody had asked me, you know, I was spending a lot of time in the gym, teaching my fraternity brothers how to exercise and everything. So somebody had mentioned, do you ever think about being a physical therapy? And so being a physical therapist, and I said, you know, uh, I don't really know much about it, but from what I hear about it, it's like working with the body and everything else. So I switched all my classes from theater to pre-med, and I was going to go to Syracuse to finish up my physical therapy degree, get my master's there. Uh, and along that journey, my mom started dating this guy named Nat, who was a retired police officer in New York, the real NYPD blue type. Wow. And Nat had asked me the first time I met him, he asked me if I ever thought about being a chiropractor. And I didn't know anything about chiropractic, couldn't even pronounce the word at that time. Uh, and I said, I don't, I don't know anything about chiropractic. And he says, well, neither do I really. He goes, but my son just started chiropractic school in Atlanta. And I thought that maybe you'd like to talk to him. I've never seen my son happier. Uh, he's more excited and passionate about anything that he's ever done before. Maybe a couple of conversations might be worthwhile. And I said, absolutely. Love to chat with him. So I start calling up Steve. We talk on the phone and his son, Steve, and I just hit it off. And everything he told me about chiropractic, about the body as a self-healing, self-regulating organism. They don't use drugs and surgery to bring balance back to the body, the lifestyle that goes with it everything just made so much sense to me. It was like, wow, that was my calling. That's what I was meant to do. And so I was supposed to meet Steve for the first time at our parents' wedding. They were gonna get married during our, our breaks from college and his from chiropractic school. And so Steve said, I'm gonna take you around this week and we're gonna take you to all the different chiropractic offices so you can learn a little about the profession. So I'm like, awesome. 
And I was really excited about it, really looking forward to it. And a day and a half before the wedding, Nat, Steve's dad, drops dead suddenly. Holy moly. Thought he was healthy. You know, woke up that morning planning stuff for his wedding, go see friends and everything else. Did not know that was going to be the last day he woke up. Like so many Americans do, they wake up thinking that they're healthy and ended up getting some terminal diagnosis or not even making it through the day. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that drove me into the whole wellness thing. But back to the story here was I ended up meeting Steve at his dad's funeral instead of his dad's wedding. Uh-huh. And yeah, really, really awful. And so, of course, I go up to Steve, give him a hug, condolences, first time meeting him in person. And he says, what time Monday should I pick you up? And I'm like, what? I did not think that we were still going to have our tour of chiropractic offices. And Steve's purpose was so much bigger than one man's existence, even even his dad's. So Steve and I, we became buds that week and I became a chiropractor. Like I knew right there and then this was my journey. This is where I needed to be. This is what I was going to spend the rest of my life doing. And not only being a chiropractor, but being a wellness chiropractor, being a pediatric and family wellness doctor. So not only Steve's dad was 44 years young when he passed away. So not only making sure that people in their 40s, 50s and 60s live a longer, more fruitful life, but that the habits that children have when they grow up, don't put them in a position to, you know, suddenly find out that something horrible happens and not make it through the day. So we know that, you know, we could do everything right and still not guarantee that we're going to live forever or live happily, you know, like with all perfect health and everything. But that wellness lifestyle certainly puts your odds in your favor. And that's where I came up with the whole concept of dream way back when. So it was kind of a double journey. It was not only becoming a chiropractor after meeting Steve, but becoming a family and wellness and pediatric wellness provider and doctor to really help people make better choices and take better action throughout a lifetime. So they don't blame their woes on life on bad luck, bad dreams and bad genes when they know they can make different choices and hopefully have different outcomes. Oh, I love it. I love how you, you saw your vision. And, and I just wonder when you were out in San Diego, who were some of your influencers? Like, I know that I met you at John Asraf's event and he was a huge influencer for me with health and Jim Bunch. Did you hang out with any of those guys out there? I hung out with John and and his brother a bunch. Yeah. Um, Not Jim Bunch though, but a a lot of times. It was actually kind of a funny story. And I write about this in my book and how I met John initially. Uh, I had just moved to San Diego in 2006. I was having lunch with my buddy, Dave, who was a chiropractor. And he was telling me that a couple of people from the movie, The Secrets, uh, lived in San Diego. I'm like, really? I'm like, well, I would love to meet John Asaraf of all people from The Secret. I'd love to meet him. Three minutes later, he walks through the restaurant. No way. So, of course, I had to go up to him, tell him the story, introduce myself to him, um, invited him to come and speak at one of our chiropractic meetings. He did. He and I got together and chatted. He helped me out so much when he had one coach. Um, and then we reconnected. We were both members of the same gym. I met his brother. His brother gave me tennis lessons for years. We were buddies. So I really got to know John and his brother, Mark, and a bunch of other people in his family really well over the years. Um, such such a great family, great people. And of course, you know, I met you at that event of his which was phenomenal. I met some of my greatest friends, you know, at, at that event and other events through John. John's introduced me to so many wonderful people. 
So, um, you know, it's such a blessing. You're always where you're supposed to be, right? Oh, exactly. That was kind of a crazy experience to, you know, be wanting to stay like just another five more minutes. And you're like, oh, hey, I'll drop you at the airport. I'm like, really? That's so nice. Yeah. I um, think those might have been the first few words that I said to you when, when I heard that I you were struggling so. with whether I you were going to leave so. I was standing there going, oh, I don't want to go. And you're like, yeah. I'll drop you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like wait, I'm who local. are you? Yeah, no I'm big like, deal. <laughs> that was so nice, seriously. And uh, that was a pivotal event for me as well with John and getting to meet Mark Waldman, who put me on this trajectory for neuroscience. It started at that event. So um, it was awesome to meet you and, and everyone connected there. Amazing. Yeah, there's always uh, so many blessings in every and anytime you hang, you're spending time with people of that caliber, you know, you're going to meet exceptional people with, along the path. And, you know, you and I, have, we didn't see each other in person until last week when I was in Arizona, right? That's the first time I've seen you in seven years in person. Yeah, we've stayed in touch through social media. So it's yeah. amazing the way technology, as many negatives there are about it, there's a lot of great positives as well. Very true, very true. So so like on that, on that note, we met seven years ago and although we kept in touch through social media, I can see what's important to you in your life, like raising a healthy son and your beautiful wife, Brooke. And I've got to ask you though, were there ever times when you find it difficult to take the healthy route for your family? And I'm asking you this because my nickname at home given to me by my two girls is turmeric. And they gave me this name and they think I put turmeric on everything, but I really don't. They're just poking fun at me for the lifestyle that I choose. But are there any times that you give in and throw up your hands and say, eat the candy or whatever it is? You know what? As a parent, there are always going to be things that we're going to give in with. When it comes to health, not so much. It's pretty much a non-negotiable. But it's never really been a problem. We've been very blessed. Now, he's almost six. He'll be six in a month or two months, rather. Um, so I've got plenty of time to say, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I tried everything. But I've never gone back on this non-negotiable of certain things when it comes to health. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes down to the culture that we've created in the house because ever since he's a little baby, he's been eating healthy foods. Fruits and vegetables were always the primary, then some protein, healthy proteins. We always have organic non-GMO in the house. You know, like I would say 97% of the stuff that we have in the house is either labeled organic or non-GMO, or it's from another country that where it's very pure, very clean, and doesn't put that stuff in it. Uh, and so he knew the symbol of non-GMO or organic when he was three, and he oh, would wow. know what it is. And so anytime he would want something, he would ask, is it organic? Is it, even now when he's in kindergarten, like even though he gets free lunch in Florida, he doesn't, he takes a lunch with him every day. And we let him, we give him a little leeway, a little latitude to having the snacks and everything. But if it doesn't have that symbol on it, he won't take it. And when, and a day, a couple of weeks ago, he was so excited that the apple said organic on it because usually the apples at school aren't organic. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty excited about that. Um, when it comes to Halloween, you know, he knows there's like one or two pieces of candy that he's allowed to have like one piece of. Um, that doesn't have corn syrup in it, doesn't have hydrogenated oils in it, doesn't have food colorings in it. You know, there are certain deal breakers that we have when it comes to food and when it comes to candy. So um, he doesn't put up a fight. He's great to go shopping with the Costco because he may look at all the fun things with the cool characters, but it could have PJ Masks face on it. But if it doesn't say organic and non-GMO, um, he doesn't ask for it. He just knows. And it's really funny because sometimes he'll have like these... Uh, like a chocolate croissant for breakfast or like these crepes 
that we get the best quality, whatever. And he knows the crepes have six grams of sugar, uh, 11 grams of sugar versus six grams of sugar in the croissant. So he uh, knows. Oh so my goodness. Chooses, so if he chooses the crepe, he's not going to have any other sugar at all for the entire day. Um, but if he has a croissant, he can have an apple or a banana or something like that. And he understands the difference between fruit sugar and, you know, refined sugar and, you know, all the other sugars that are in products. So, you know, those are, those are deal breakers that we have in the family that I have not really had to throw up my hands with and say, oh, to heck with it, just have it. Um, when it comes to fast food, he looks at McDonald's as that's gross. You know, my wife and I have prepped them and stuff like that, that that's not even food. Yeah. So it's all about the culture in the house. Now, what's going to happen when he's eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old? You know, you have a 10 year old, right? 12 and a 10. So yeah, 10. two of them. So, you know, I just pray that when he's of that age, you know, able to make those decisions a little bit older, you know, with friends and everything that the culture, the values are so steeped deeply within him that he chooses wisely. And I think he will, at least most of the time he will. Um, but you know what, we're going to love and support him and, you know, get him through this, this difficult world of, of tough decisions when it comes to making health a priority in your life. Oh, it really is. You've done a phenomenal job because uh, you saw my health score. You know that there's a family of us and I'm doing things one way and, and it's hard to get everyone else to follow. It's not a household thing and you cannot do it by force. You can't say, this is what we're doing. I make things, I put them in the fridge. When they're starving, they'll eat my food, but it's not like a choice that, it's not like they they navigate towards it. They'll look for the the other things. So I, I like hands off to you for that. That's incredible that you've got your your little one making those choices. Well, thank you. And it's never too late. I mean, you could always work on building the value. I don't, I, I would prefer not to do it through scare, you know, not doing it out of fear, but more out of empowerment. Uh, you know, I always say that that discipline is when something would be deprivation for one to empowerment for another. So if you could find a way and other parents that are listening to this, or even just individuals, if you don't even have kids, you know, you just think about, yes, there are negative consequences towards making poor decisions and how it impacts your health, but there are also beautiful consequences when you make great decisions. You know, it could be in how you look in the mirror, how you feel in the morning when you wake up, um, what, what you see about yourself and what you think about yourself. And you have a 10 and a 12 year old, you know, you could kind of, you know, obviously they see kids with a lot of acne and stuff like that. And we know that healthy living is gonna give the best shot possible to not deal with acne as they go through puberty. So, um, and a lot of other changes as they're growing. So there are ways of finding the positives without harping too much on the negatives. Uh, but there is an element of both to an extent. And uh, it's just a matter of just, you know, loving them and accepting them, but letting them know that this food is going to make you big and strong and healthy and this food, not so much. So. Right. And, and our two girls are in competitive gymnastics and we had Chrissy Barth on. She's a uh, dietitian, food expert, and she does a lot of training for pro athletes. And I thought this is going to be great. My girls are going to see this. They're going to see where they're they're falling short and they could see where they're under fueling. So they're not eating enough. And, you know, the first couple of days after the, the presentation, they were showing me their plate and showing me what they're eating and their proportions. And I'm thinking, this is great. And then like a week later, it died off. And I'm like, wait, where's that? where's that presentation of Chrissy? I can play for them again, because it's hard to keep things going. The, the momentum, they, they know they're under fueling. They're not eating enough. Their bones are starting to 
uh, hurt and get injured because they're not eating the right foods. And still it's, they're still struggling. I'm like, we, we need to get a little bit more protein. We need to get some more yogurts. And so uh, some of the solutions I'm finding are to go shopping with them and find foods that they like so that I can have them in the fridge ready, but they're not going to eat my carrots and celery that I stick in the fridge. They're just going to like walk past it. Do they like hummus? Yes. Yes. And it goes in phases. Like, I don't know what other parents. Carrots and celery with hummus. You know, there's ways of dressing up the vegetables that are healthy and taste really, that taste great. Um, You know, my five and a half year old loves that. He loves hummus. He'll dip vegetables in it all day long. He walks around with carrots, like, like kids walk around with lollipops. It's the funniest thing. But, um, you know, I, I think that when it comes down to, you know, with what your kids can do, we know they're capable because they did it for a week. So what can you do to kind of follow up with that and help them make good good choices, good decisions? Uh, You know, energy drainers and energy gainers is a way of them categorizing things. Let them, you know, consider, you know, hey, look, this is the food I'm going to consume right now. Is this an energy drainer or an energy gainer? Right. Is this going to deplete my battery or is this going to charge my battery? And you can even have them take the dream score also. You know, you scored a 95, phenomenal, one of the highest scores that I've seen. And I know we'll talk about the dream score in a bit, but I don't see too many 95s. But maybe you could show them your results and then they could you could have them take the test. Either you sit with them and do it together because there might be some questions that might be a little bit over their head. It's not designed for children, but at 10 and 12, they'll at least you'll not you'll have the answers for them and then let them see the battery. Because if your kids have um, iPhones or, yeah. or or iPads or something, they know what it looks like when a battery is not charging, when it's depleting. And if they don't have the charger, it gets really scary. And not to kind of scare them again, not to do scare care type of thing, but if they see like your battery is fully charged at a 95, it's all green, and their batteries are orange or yellows, that might get them to take some more action and then let them start thinking about things that they're doing in life. And you could say, hey, sweetie, do you think that this is going to charge your battery or deplete your battery? Oh, that's good. I like it. I love this. So, so again, I started to read your book over the weekend and, and it's a manual, it's pretty thick. So I can't say I finished it yet, but I did do your dream score and, and saw the, the score and, and I wasn't surprised because I put health number one, it's non-negotiable. A lot of the questions in there, I felt like you wrote them for me. Like, you know, you wouldn't be caught dead in a fast food place. That's me. Um, so anyway, I, I wondered what types of scores that you do see typically, if you don't see 90s, what comes across the most? You know, it's really funny. I see the scores across the board. Um, I see probably more 78 to 86 more than anything else, which actually I'm pretty satisfied with for the most part, uh, because those people are typically in a good position or going in a good position. Uh, when I originally did it in my beta stages, the scores were a lot lower. So I fixed the scoring a little bit to tweak it, you know, brought some science, some big science into it. Um, I see very few over 90. The people that are scoring over 90 are the people that are in my network of healthcare providers and stuff. A lot of chiropractors, uh, acupuncturists, functional medicine practitioners, people that are understanding of this. So they're going to score the highest. Uh, every now and then I see scores into the low 60s. Those upset me. And one of the questions that I ask, because the dream score is free for everybody to take and you get your score and you get your report, whether you have the book or not. And the report, as you saw, gives one or two sentences about what you can improve on. But then it tells you what pages in the book you should read. So you get through the 450 page manual in under an hour. 
right? So if you pay money and you buy the book, you'll get a much more extensive value out of the report. You don't need the book. I highly recommend the book. But one of the questions at the end is, do you currently own the book? And if not, do you think you're going to get it? And the people that tend to score in the 60s and low 70s almost always say, no, not interested in the book. And that I've seen almost completely across the board. And they answer that before they've seen the score. So it shows where they're putting their health in terms of prioritizing things. Uh, so it's, it's no surprise that they scored a 62 and they have no interest in the book. Now, maybe they don't have interest in the book because they don't have children, but I asked the question in a post-survey, do you have children, right? Are you raising kids? Uh, so it's interesting to say the least that I'm not going to necessarily in the dream score, be able to motivate somebody from having no interest in their health to having interest in their health. The first 10 pages, 20 pages of the book will do that where it lays the foundation for it. So the thing about the book, the way it's structured is the first 90 pages is all about the why laying a foundation for a healthy lifestyle, why it's important and everything. Then pages 91 through like 450, you don't have to read them cover to cover. Like you would, you know, a novel. I I recommend it because there's a lot of good, funny stories in there but you don't have to do that to be able to get the information to benefit from the information in the book. Got it. Got it. So I mentioned to you some of the things that I do to keep health at the forefront. And it's something I know that just kind of makes me weird. And I hear a lot of jokes about it from people because I feel like I am a little over the top with it. Um, And it's just because health has always been important to me. It's like the number one thing. If I worry about anything, it's other people's health. That's that's pretty much what what life is like for me. So here's a story for you. I just want to put uh, put this all into perspective. So I volunteered at my kid's school and I had this other parent in my car with me and we had to go order food, um, pick it like pick it up at the, the place and then deliver it to the kids at their school picnic. And so I thought, oh, I can do this. This this won't be a problem. But I've actually never ordered fast food before. And we had to go through four different fast food places. And I had to read their orders and I'm like, what? I was sweating. I was like, what is this? What happened to burgers and fries? There's burgers and crispy fries and burgers and and they're all ordering it. And I, I, for the first time I felt like out of my league and the other parent laughed and she said, I didn't think there was anyone out there in the world that had never ordered fast food. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And um, it was the first time I was actually embarrassed about my healthy lifestyle. So when when I hear everything in moderation that, you know, maybe I should change and and maybe go for a burger one day, I just cringe because I think it's a slippery slope. Like you said, I couldn't even imagine putting something like that in my body, let alone buying it for my family who I love. So what do you think? Is there such a thing as being too intense with our health? It's a really good question because, you know, people like us, we get to the point where some people don't want to hang out with us. But, you know, Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So who do you want to be like? What do you want to be like? What do you want your life to be? Uh, You know, the everything in moderation. I'd really love to know who came up with that phrase, everything in moderation. Looking at America, you know, decades ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they came up with and that's what they thought was a good idea. But when you think about everything in moderation, is that really a good idea? If you break it down, is it really a good idea? Um, And we could all think of plenty of things that you should never have in moderation, especially think about recreational drugs, you know, products that are going to kill you right away. So that's just a dumb comment right there, everything in moderation. 
I always believe in once you lift the lollipop of mediocrity, you'll suck forever, right? Because you'll, you'll end up mediocre, yeah. right? And yeah. who wants to be mediocre, right? So no. this is what I believe in. I believe in excessive goodness and a little bit of bad stuff. And, and when you do choose the bad stuff, it doesn't even have to be that bad. A perfect example would be, you know, because we don't want to deprive ourselves, right? And we want to be empowered by our choices. Who doesn't love s'mores when you're doing campfire, especially when you're a five-year-old, right? That's what they look forward to. I look forward to s'mores. But again, with the people that I spend time with, they know who we are and what we're about. So they're kind enough to have s'mores, you know, to have marshmallows that are organic, not made with high fructose corn syrup. The chocolate that they choose is non-GMO. It's fair trade. It actually has real sugar in it. Not that sugar is great, but at least it's real sugar. And it's made with real chocolate, not makalit, right? And the graham crackers are, again, organic and not a refined sugar. So there are ways of doing the bad stuff and not even making it that bad. So I always say excessive goodness and a little bit of bad stuff. And can you be too intense? Only if it's not, only if you're not happy. If you're feeling deprived in your life, then yeah, it's too much. You're over the top. But if you're happy with the way that you feel, if you're happy the way that you look, if you're happy with the way that you act, if you're happy with your happiness, then no, it's, it can't, it's not too intense. I mean, look, I'm not that person that's up at four o'clock in the morning riding the bicycle, you know, and eating the, uh, you know, bean sprouts and all that other stuff. I, I am very extreme compared to most people, but there are people more extreme than I am, right. right? And so we have to find our place in where we're willing to be and not substitute it for happiness, but to find happiness in that discipline. So again, so it turns into empowerment as opposed to deprivation. God, I love that answer. So what does DREAM stand for and why did you choose these specific staples? Which yeah, so, so DREAM is an acronym for the five, the five categories of the five keys to a wellness lifestyle, being diet, relaxation, exercise, being an adjustment and mental wellness. And I'll touch on each of those briefly. Uh, diet is everything that goes into the body from the outside world to the inside world. It's everything you eat, drink, taste, touch, smell, feel, hear. All the movies you watch and all the people you spend time with is just as much part of your diet as the food you consume. So if you're around naysayers, negative people, people that say you can't do this, or people that are gossiping, that's all negative. That's malnutrition. So we need to make sure that everything that comes into our senses, whether it's our eyes, ears, nose, mouth, our skin, that it's all nutritious, that it's all high quality. Uh, so think about the people you spend time with. It's just as much as the food you consume. Relaxation is giving your body a chance to call time out, to reset, repair, regenerate, rejuvenate yourself. E is for exercise, any activity that requires physical or mental exertion. So we know that doing exercises like walking, doing activities in the gym and so on and so forth, really good physically, but also mental exercises are important. Reading stimulating books and magazines, keeping your mind sharp, doing crossword puzzles, playing games, all very important. And then you've got, we'll skip A for a second, then mental wellness is about connecting your inner purpose and passion to your outer goals and tasks in all phases of life being right with your self-esteem, self-worth, self-values, and so on and so forth. So this way, when you wake up in the morning, instead of being like, oh God, it's morning. Like, oh God, it's morning. Like you're really excited about it and you're putting your armor on. So if you stub your toe or you get a bad test score or something bad happens at work, it doesn't ruin your whole day. You're ready to go. You've got your affirmations. You've got your prayer. You know, you do whatever it is that you do to, to create that strength and to be mentally well. And a is being in adjustment. That's being in balance mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and having optimal brain-body communication through the nervous system. And we live our lives through our nervous system, right? You talk all about the brain and neurology, right? 
Every organ, every muscle, every gland, every tissue, every cell in the body knows exactly what to do, when to do it, and how to do it because the brain tells it so. So the idea of the dream lifestyle is to make sure that you can adapt to chemical, physical, and emotional stressors to either adapt to them or avoid them. And if you, and uh, basically, so an example of like a chemical stressor might be foods that we eat that we might be allergic to or might be genetically modified or have pesticides on it, pollution that we breathe in, drugs that people take pushed or prescribed. It could be a life-saving drug, but it's still a chemical stressor. So we have to keep that in mind that we need to reset the body. Um, then there's emotional stressors that could be relationships, family stuff, financial stuff, job stuff, school stuff, um, any number of, of things that people have to deal with on an emotional basis. And then physical stressors, you know, not exercising properly or exercising at all, uh, a fall, talking on your phone like this, or having your device with the forward head posture, like all these kids on their iPads and, and tablets these days and their computers, everybody working from home with poor ergonomics. So we're all enduring chemical, physical, and emotional stresses on a daily basis. And if we don't adapt to those stresses we endure, then we're going to likely go out of adjustment. So the whole purpose of that dream lifestyle is to stay in adjustment. And there are a lot of things that you could do to stay in adjustment. You know, people think that that's the, the A is for chiropractic. It's not. Chiropractors get you into adjustment when you're out of adjustment, but there's tons of things that you do to stay in adjustment, right? And that's all in the dream lifestyle that we talk about. So that's what dream represents. And then I forgot the second part of your question because it was like two hours ago, it seems like. And so what would it take for someone to keep a consistent score in the 90s? So is it just time, really? Just knowing what they are in time, what would you say? I honestly, I think it just comes down to value and knowing what it is. Most people, if they value being in the 90s, and why would they value being in the 90s? Because they want to be healthy and happy and they want to create a legacy of that. Um, if that's not a value of theirs, they're just going to be beating their heads against the wall. They're going to be depriving themselves. They're going to be torturing themselves. So I really want to work with people who value health and wellness, even if it's not for themselves, at least do it for their kids because kids like to play follow the leader. So you might as well be the leader you want your kids to follow because if you're dealing with a lot of health problems um, or you're unhappy or poor relationships or anything like that, might as well do everything you can to create a better life for your children if you're raising kids. Uh, so the value has to come first. And then the second thing has to be knowing what to do. And the dream score literally does it. It spells it out by answering those 85 to 90 questions in 20 to 25 minutes. It will tell you exactly what pages to read in the book so that you can start making changes. And I recommend that people take the dream score every two to three months. Like I said, it's free. So you might as well just take it and see where you're scoring. You know, when I saw your score of 95, um, it just motivated me. I didn't get envious. It motivated me because I think the last time I took it, I scored a 93. There are times that I score in 95, there are times I score in 89. We go through different stages in our lives, especially through the COVID pandemic. We don't get to do all the things we want to do. Gyms were closed, mm -hmm. you know, healthy food stores were closed. Massage places were closed. Acupuncture. So many of the things that, that healthy people do to stay healthy were shut down as if, as if staying indoors by yourself, isolating is going to make you healthier. Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe it'll stop you from getting COVID, but I mean, it's not going to help you build, uh, you know, more health, you know, what I call salutogenesis, you know, you, you, you're not going to be able to increase your happiness by being inside and isolated all the time. So it's like, what good is, you know, social distancing is what they were calling it back then. What good is social distancing if you're not happy in life? You know, who knows when this is going to end two weeks to flatten the curve. Now you're over a year and a half, you know, out. So we need to be, we're social people. 
We need to be around people. We need to move. We need to exercise. But anyway, back to what I was saying before is that to get the highest score and to keep a high score is to stay accountable. And if you don't have an accountability partner, keep taking the dream score. That'll be your accountability partner. Wow. And what I liked about it is that when I saw my score, I was thinking, well, where'd the, where'd the other 5% go? Where did I go off? Because during the pandemic, I started making health a priority, especially when March hit. And I'll talk about it in a little bit about what we did over here, just to put it priority. But like you, it was like this moment in time that we're like, aha, can we make use of this time? And so I started looking even deeper into the top five health staples that I've been talking about on the podcast, like sleep and exercise and and following Dave Asprey and, and listening to what he does and, and fi- fine tuning ways. So, you know, just trying to figure out, well, what else can I do? And then I find these devices and I'm interviewing someone next that's gonna go into helping with the emotional side of things because I've been measuring HRV um, and not really knowing why my score is low sometimes. Like, why do I get green and recover? And why do I get not recovered? Sometimes there's like emotional things. And so they've got this app that really taps into that. So I liked how your staples or your, um, your dream really hit that emotional side that, that I think is missing from a lot of devices that are measuring things. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And I've got dozens of resources throughout the book to help increase mental wellness, mental health, um, you know, between how to create affirmations with your kids or by yourself, how to do goal setting, how to create a purpose statement, how to deal with anxiety. You know, a lot of kids are dealing with anxiety these days, especially teens, how to keep teens away from tobacco, you know, nicotine um, and uh, e-cigarettes and vaping. So all of that stuff, I mean, the idea is to be filled with resources, but to utilize them. And so, you know, you think about where did your five points go? My gosh, I don't think I've seen a higher score than 95. Maybe I've seen a 96. I've certainly not seen 100. It's nearly impossible to get 100. It's not impossible because I know you could do 100 because I scored 100 when I purposely took it to make sure that the algorithms worked. But in my real life, I don't score 100. Um, but I mean, heck, what, so you wonder where those five points go when you got your report. Oh yeah. Did it it make sense to you about where those five points go? Oh, it totally did because I don't always choose the organic version of things because they go rotten so quickly. So like I put, um, spinach and kale and shakes, um, but I choose, I don't choose organic because in like three days I got to buy new ones. So when I was listening to you and your son always choosing organic, that's an area of improvement for sure. Yeah. You know, when you're eating out and stuff, you know, you can't always choose organic, but when you're buying for your house, you can, you can buy smaller quantities. I mean, I buy organic spinach and and all of my shakes and everything else. And I find it lasts about four or five days. You know, we go through a a big bunch of it, you know, every couple of days. Uh, But, you know, go back and one of the resources in the book are, you know, the dirty dozen and some of those vegetables and fruits, you need to have organic. Like I wouldn't want to have any green leafy vegetable that wasn't organic at home. You know, when you go to a restaurant, you can only do so much and hopefully you pick good restaurants, but you're most likely not going to get organic greens there. But there are certain fruits and certain vegetables that you don't want to skimp on. You don't have to have 100% organic in your life. Most people can't afford it, you know, so they have to make up for it somewhere else. Either it's not accessible. Where I live right now, I moved to outside of Sarasota, Florida, and I don't have that many restaurants, uh, barely any healthy restaurants here. And the supermarkets, I have to drive a good 10 to 15 miles just to get the organic stuff that I want. And uh, it's hard. 
You know, we have pub Publix on every corner and they have some organic sections, but it's not a ton. So I change what we eat in the house as much as we can. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the choices that we make. But, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. 95 is a pretty darn good score. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm happy with it. I was just curious. But what about um, people who receive a low score? I know often it's because of time and that health just doesn't get put on the priority because, you know, work and and other time commitments. So it gets left off the list. And I remember someone who was so busy saying, I don't have time for a half an hour on the treadmill. How can someone make the changes needed to put health first when their day is already packed tight? Well, you know, it's a good question. And, you know, I like to say that everybody can make 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes to exercise on a daily basis, but maybe some people can't. There's some people that are working two, three jobs. There's some people juggling four or five kids, whatever the reason is, there are always going to be exceptions over the norm, right? But the vast majority of people can squeeze in enough time to get their exercise in. You know, exercise, remember, is just one of the five keys, right? Um, and so, yeah, if you can't get in any exercise at all, you better make sure you're building up the D, the R, the A, and the M, right? As best as you can. But you, it doesn't take a lot of time in a gym. There are, ex, there are activities that you can do at home in 10-minute spurts here and there. And I don't do 30 minutes of cardio, right? When I'm at the gym, I'm in the gym typically for about on average 28 to 33 minutes. And that gives me my resistance training of two body parts plus abs. And I'll do typically every other day, I'll do eight minutes of cardio and I'll do hit high intensity interval training. So when I'm doing my resistance training, I do circuit. Basically, I just superset everything. So I'm keeping my heart rate up at about 70% throughout the entire workout. And then I, uh, then I do my hit for another eight minutes where I'm getting it to about 80%. 80 to 85% of my maximum heart rate. And I explain all this in the book. So those people that don't know what I'm talking about, it's really easy to understand when you read it. Um, but I get my cardio done in eight minutes. So I get my resistance training, I get my cardio, and I'm out in under 40 minutes easily. I'm never in the gym for more than 40 minutes unless I have to take a phone call. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, and if you can't squeeze 30 minutes in on a, on a four, three or four days a week, there are things you could do at home. Um, and people could wake up earlier. You know, I mean, I, there, there are times I've gone through my life where I'm at the gym at 530 in the morning because, you know, exercise is a deal breaker for me because it is a priority. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate that for a lot of people, they don't make health a priority until they've lost it. You right. know, Tony Robbins talks about people motivated typically by one of two things to move away from pain or to move towards pleasure. And the vast majority of people are wired to move away from pain. Right. So I believe that there's a third category of people he doesn't talk about. And those are people that are moving on purpose. So when you have purpose and you know what your purpose is in life, right, whether the purpose is to be happy, to be a great parent, to be successful in this, to help these people or whatever it is, that purpose will sometimes be painful and sometimes be pleasurable. But when you're on purpose, you're able to focus because that's your why. Simon Sinek always talked about that in the TED Talk, one of the most popular TED Talks in all time, talks about your why. And so when you're living on purpose, you start making things a different priority. Um, I recently, I was at one of my mastermind retreats and we all took the passion test, which I highly recommend anyone do. I think you probably get it online. There's a great book about the passion test. Um, and it breaks down what are the five most important things in your life? And for me, I didn't even know that this would happen because I didn't think about it in this way. My health was the number one priority, my number one passion. I put it over my family. I can't enjoy my family if I don't have my health right? What good is an amazing relationship with my wife and my son if I don't have my health? Mm -hmm. And so again, most people don't prioritize it until it's late. 
Fortunately, because of grace, even when it's late, we could sometimes recover in time, but others you can't. And so I recommend helping motivate and inspire people to try to make their health the number one priority before it's from a loss. You know, what What do you think from these staples that, that you have, diet, relaxation, exercise, adjustment, and mental wellness, um, what, what do you think people, does it overwhelm people? What, what happens that people drop off? I think that the biggest issue is that our culture, the American culture does not prioritize health. And I think a perfect example is, you know, when the pandemic hit, like I said before, they shut everything down. Um, I have a lot of people that a lot of my patients, you know, when I was in practice, um, they, they just locked themselves down in their house until the vaccine came out. They didn't go to the gym. You know, a lot of them are overweight and they were just waiting for the shots. Um, they figured the medications and the vaccines would get them through it as opposed to taking decisive action to build their health. Our country has not said anything uh, in the past 18 months about go out and exercise, um, eat healthy food, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're having a good attitude, you know, doing affirmations. They've done none of that. In fact, they've done the opposite of it. So it starts from the top down. Why they don't prioritize health? I can't tell you. Is it nefarious reasons because of pharma? Is it because of the lobbying money? Is it because of that? I don't know. Is it because of ignorance? I don't know. Is it because it's what's not popular? People don't want to hear you have to take responsibility for yourself. I don't know. But it is much easier to sell a pill or a potion than it is to get somebody to take their vitamin D. I mean, my gosh, we're probably going to be censored right now because I just said vitamin D. I mean, this is where our culture is at right now. Um, where there's no more free thought, there's no more free speech. Um, and anytime you talk about health and wellness, or you talk about something different, you're shut down as if you're some kind of crazy person. Uh, so people have to do the research themselves and they have to value it higher, uh, but they're not going to get it from the government. And so when the government and the media are constantly talking about how to react to certain things as opposed to being proactive, this is the type of situation that we have. And it's very unfortunate. And so I pray every day for our country and for the people of this world. My purpose in life, my why, is to serve God by assisting all people realize their perfection. And so however it is that I can help them realize their perfection, whether it's using my hands, whether it's using my mouth, whether it's through my actions, whatever it is, I want people to know that good enough doesn't have to be good enough anymore, that we can be exceptional. But at least, even if you don't want to be exceptional, you don't want to take the steps, you can even be a little bit better than you are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on the podcast, we hit a turn for health and wellness about maybe a year and a half ago. It just kind of happened. The people that started reaching out to me had this angle of productivity, health and wellness. And so I found these health staples. It just I had five of them that were like exercise, sleep, diet, our optimizing our microbiome and intermittent fasting. And if you take a quick look at these and the ones that we focused on, I see that I'm missing two of yours. Well, three, because I didn't know um, the adjustment uh, part. So the, I'm missing relaxation, adjustment, and mental wellness. Mm -hmm. So what do you think we could do to sharpen the areas that I'm missing so I can kind of start highlighting these areas? Well, I mean, exactly what you're talking about is why I created that acronym of DREAM was to make it easy to understand the categories of life because microbiome and intermittent fasting, they're all great, really important, but those could fit under diet, right? So you've got three of the five there and it's unfortunate that nobody 
talks about the nervous system's role in somebody's overall health and well-being because of the fact that we live our lives in our nervous system. It's the master system of the body, like I said before. And we need to make sure because, you know, you mentioned something about the HRV before, which I think is one of the best technologies to measure performance of the nervous system. You know, most people that went to that go to a chiropractor, they think they have a back problem or a neck problem, headaches, whatever it is. They have a brain problem. They have a problem with the brain processing information and enabling the body to work the way that it can. And so chiropractors are really well equipped to help the nervous system function better because those stressors we talked about before, you know, cause you to go out of adjustment. And when you're out of adjustment, you're off, you're out of alignment. So chiropractor help get you in adjustment. Um, and a lot of people don't even think about that as being something part of health, but it's so weird because, you know, you talk about, you got to eat healthy food, right. Which makes perfect sense. But what if the nerves going to your digestive system are not working right. Right. You got to have your, your nervous system breaking down, working for the digestive system, right? You talk about exercise, you want to have your lungs working right, but what if the brain's not communicating optimally with the, 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 the uh, organs of breathing, you know, with the lungs and the areolas and everything else? I mean, we've got to have the brain communicating with the immune system optimally in order to fight disease and infection. But we don't think about the nervous system as being a key component to a wellness lifestyle. And there's lots and lots of things that we could do for that. And then relaxation was missing on your list as well, you said. Um, and, you know, when do you sharpen your ax? You know, when, when are you going to be able to reset and be ready for the next day? And so we live a life and it's a go, go, go type of life, but we need to have that balance. And people ask me, well, which of the five keys is the most important key? And I say all five. It's, it's like the five wheels of a car. And then people look at me like I have three heads, right? The five wheels of a car, you got two tires in the front, two tires in the back, and then you got a steering wheel, right? And the steering wheel I see is the nervous system because it controls all the other parts of the car. It controls the wheels, the, the tires, and tells you which way to go. But if you only have three or four tires, you know, you're not going to be doing very well on the road. And if one is overinflated or underinflated, that's not going to be very good either. So you need to have balance in all five keys, all five wheels have to be at the same level and functioning optimally all the time in order to be producing at the highest level possible. And to not get overwhelmed, do you pick one area at a time or how, how do you? So in, in the book and in the dream score, I always recommend picking your weaknesses. Wherever you score the lowest on the dream score, that's what you should work on. You know, I originally was setting it up where you would get your D score, your R score, your E score, your A score, and your M score. But I decided not to do that anymore because it got people too focused on their D or on their E or whatever it is. I want them to be focused on the individual activities that they could do to improve themselves. So whereas in personal development or in jobs, they say work on your strengths. That's all true. In this case, work on your weaknesses because that's the first thing that you have to do. You might find that only five or 10 things, I think only five to six things showed up on your report of what you needed to work on. Some people have a dozen things. Some people have more than that. It just depends on where they're at and start picking one or two things to work on each day or each week to start making significant changes in your life. Oh, I love this. This is good. And I love seeing the sense of urgency that you saw to release this book when the coronavirus pandemic shut down the world in March 2020. And um, I mentioned to you that we saw that this was an incredible time to find the positives and and do something with that time. So what opportunities did you create or what doors were opened for you with this book? Um, you know, it, it's really been great. I've always done a lot of speaking um, to corporations in the chiropractic world and other healthcare professions, uh, schools. 
but now it's more, you know, I'm getting on the news more frequently because now you have a book, right? So, so news outlets love authors, uh, especially when it's good for mankind, humankind, when it's helping people. Um, so that, that's been tremendous. And I have a lot of people when I go to different conferences, because uh, I serve on a bunch of different boards, I have a lot of people who are kind of asking me, so what am I up to now with the book? Because I could tell that they're thinking about what opportunities, uh, they, what role they could see happening. So a lot of things are happening right now, um, but having hit bestseller in four different categories, in four different Amazon categories were great. I wasn't even expecting some of those categories. Um, so it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing. And it's very humbling too. You know, a lot of people have that imposter syndrome, like, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? And all that. So that wasn't a big thing for me, but there's always a little bit of doubt being like, how much value can I really bring to society? But with the emails that I've been getting, the messages, the thank yous, you know, the, the Instagrams, the tweets and everything, I'm very grateful for the attention and the lives that have been changed as a result of this book. And more is going to come, you know, there'll be online courses created for parents who want to raise healthy children naturally. Um, and, but more importantly, I really want to get into the schools. And that's something that some, a lot of school districts and PTAs have been starting to reach out, homeschooling organizations, uh, to really get their parents on board with this, these types of lifestyle changes to really make a huge impact so that I can help all people realize their perfection. Love it. Love it. So what would be your final thoughts or anything important that we've missed that you want people to know? I don't think there was anything that was really missed, but I think that it's really important to, um, you know, one of my friends and mentors, Dr. Eric Plasker, wrote a great book called The 100 Year Lifestyle. And he said, you know, change is not that hard, but thinking about change is the hardest part. Like thinking about what is going, what do you have to do? And so I don't even need people to think about change right now. Just take the dream score and see what changes need to be made. Think about the what is, what's the most important value in your life. So I think the very first thing that people need to do is think about their purpose on this planet. And if a healthy lifestyle fits or aligns anywhere within that purpose, to just go ahead and start making some changes. If the dream score is a way of doing that, great. If the book is a way of doing it, great. If it's someone else's book, phenomenal. If you wanna do it on your own, use Dr. Google, great. Just do something to start making a change now because everything you have in your life right now is a result of your past. Everything you'll have in the future is a result of your past, your present, and everything you do moving forward. So if you don't make any change, everything will stay the same or get worse. Absolutely. And I think that that's the biggest thing is just, just be willing to make some type of change right now and uh, move forward in life and do some great things for yourself and for your family. Love it. Love it. So for people who want to get the book and take the dream score is the best place dreamwellnessbook.com right slash book site. Yeah, they don't even have to type in book site. It'll just go to that dreamwellnessbook.com or they could just go to dreamwellness.com and that has links for everything as well. So they could do either one um, and I'm pretty easily accessible if you hit contact us, if you have any questions and stuff. And uh, after somebody takes the dream score, as you know, you'll get a post uh, post questionnaire survey that gives you an opportunity to communicate with me as well. I actually, at least as of now, I read all of those responses. Um, maybe when, when I'm starting to get thousands in a day, I'll have staff only bring certain things to my attention. But right now it's all about quality control and making sure that everything is working right and people are getting the best value out of it. So I'm easy to connect with. Uh, so dreamwellness.com or dreamwellnessbook.com is pretty easy. Instagram, Dr. Brian Stenzler, uh, you can find me on there. And then um, on Facebook, I'm the only Brian Stenzel there. People can friend me um, or uh, I have uh, Dream Parents, 
as uh, you know, dream, uh, facebook.com slash dream parents is another way of joining our community. But I think we're going to be moving off Facebook pretty soon uh, because people need to have a, the opportunity to engage freely and not worry about who's reading what and getting, you know, censored and everything else. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to put all the links for everything you said in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much for your time today to explain your dream wellness book and your vision for physical and mental health for our future generations. And I say for those listening, just take the dream score assessment and get the book to make improvements. And everything comes back to you in the assessment. You'll see everything. It's simple and it's actually eye-opening and fun. And the areas of of improvements that I saw, I'm going to start thinking about and working on. Um, The best way is to write it down because you get these uh, things that you can work on and you're not going to do anything with them unless you put them somewhere. So I'm going to put them right in front of me on my desk here and so that we can always be working and thinking about ways to take our results to those higher levels. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Stenzler. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 